Thanks for joining me today on this episode of the Verbal Echo Podcast. We explore everyday stories, dive into experiences from real folks, and highlight transformation, grit, witness stubbornness through the human experience with a healthy dose of I can't believe that really happened to you. I'm your host, Monica Martin. Let's get to it. Hi, welcome to the Verbal Echo Podcast. Tonight, I have the host of 10 Foil Tales. His name's Brandon Wright, and he's here t- to talk about his new book, his podcast, and some of the guests that he's had on. So welcome, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. So um, I kind of ask everybody, what's your backstory? You know, how'd you, how'd you get to this place of being a podcast host? I used to be in bands. I did a lot of the Cookie Monster metal vocals that a lot of people like to call like for death metal bands. And I have all this recording stuff. Well, since we call it Beast Era on my other podcast, since COVID happened, basically we uh, haven't done anything. So I had all this stuff sitting around. I said, you know what? I want to start a podcast about conspiracies and all sorts of stuff like that. So I thought of this name of tinfoil tells because anyone that's like a conspiracy theorist has a tinfoil hat type of uh, mentality to the average person. They're, oh, he's got a tinfoil hat on. So I was like, well, I want to talk about these conspiracies. So it's so like you're telling them a tale. So I got like, tinfoil tells. And then I had that name for a while. And then it, it didn't really pan out the way I thought it was going to. Basically, the podcast, I did one episode and with a friend and we kind of dived into like weather control, like government involvement with weathers and stuff like that. And then I couldn't find anyone else to like come on there and talk about stuff right off the bat. So I started interviewing people far as like their personal experiences with weird stuff like paranormal cryptids, anything like that. And it just kind of took off from there, which I was also wanting to lean that route anyways, because I also had my own experience, which is also part of the reason why I wanted to do a podcast, but that experience talk about that here in a second. But the gist of all of that is it's kind of led me to where I am today. I've always been a skeptical person far as like paranormal stuff. I always try and look at it from a rational standpoint. So when I had my experience, it was something that I wrote off for about 15 years but it's not really something that I can actually accept as the written off version. There's just too many little details that don't add up. So it's always been in the back of my mind that made me question what I actually saw. But after I started doing that, I kind of really enjoy talking with people about things. So I just kind of went further down the rabbit hole and about 15 months later, here I am almost 50 episodes, over 50 episodes recorded so far. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think I think for this sort of thing, it, it can be really therapeutic to talk about your experience if you've had one. Um, I've had a lot of experiences in my life, and um, it's taken me over 50 years to kind of get to that space where I can share it with people because there was like this stigma around it. 
Mm-hmm. And before we started recording, you were mentioning how um, you have some of the some of the stories that people tell you can be. Um, I don't know. How, how would you categorize that? Would, would they be kind of sensitive or? Um, A lot of people's stories. And I don't like to use the word stories just because it seems like they're not true. If you look at it from that aspect, I say stories a lot and I've been trying not to say that anymore because I don't want to seem like I'm trying to discredit anyone, but I believe that the people that come on my show, a good portion of them, 100% believe what they're telling me, but that does not necessarily mean that I have to believe what they're telling me in the sense of what happened is exactly how they're saying it happened. It could be completely different. I look at that from every perspective that there could be. I'm not saying they're coming on here and feeding me a line of crap, but you're telling me you were abducted by aliens for 50 years of your life. And maybe there's something else. You hear all these voices and everything. You have an implant in your body. I'm just, I, this isn't me. I'm just v- being vague here at this point. I'm not specifically talking about a single person, but like if you have these experiences for your whole life, you hear these voices and you say they're demons in your head or something like that. Maybe it's schizophrenia. I mean, right. There, yeah. There's other things. So that's just how I try and look at it. Like not to discredit anyone that's ever been on my show because that's not what I'm about. I want everyone to have a platform to talk about the things that they were afraid to talk about because for 15 years, I never talked about what happened to me. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Science is real. And, uh, I, I have, I'm, I'm a skeptic too. I, everything, every experience that I hear about, I'm, I always look for the scientific reason of why something might have happened. There's always that thing of there are a lot of stuff that we just can't explain. And I don't know, maybe, maybe we don't have the science yet. Maybe we don't have the tech yet. Um, But I think it's cool that you are a skeptic. And uh, how much does that play into some of the interviews that you do? Um, Do you kind of wade carefully around some of that or do you voice it and just say, Hey, I don't know about this. And, I don't ever bring up my skepticism to someone because that's not, it's already hard enough for someone to come on a show and talk about these traumatic events that they've went through. So I'm not on there to try and disprove someone or discredit them because I think a lot of the stories are hard for them to talk about in general. Now I've had people come on there that I could 100% tell were only on there to feed me a line of crap basically. And if anyone ever paid attention to some of these episodes, if they notice I ask specific questions and the person starts him hawing around and not giving me a direct answer, that's when I've tried to point out that I'm not really a hundred percent believing it because they can't answer a specific question. So it's like they had every thing programmed and how it's supposed to go. And they weren't expecting me to come up with some side of a question that made them question their whole thing. So mm-hmm. I don't do that very often, but when I know, the person's not talking about anything traumatic or anything like that. They're just talking about other things. It's like, okay, well, if you want me to believe this happened, then why did this not, why did you do this or something like that? And if they can't give me an answer, then it's kind of like, okay, well, you should be able to answer that question. So it's just kind of how I go about things, I guess. Right. Yeah. I think if you have an experience and it's really a traumatic experience, your story never changes, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's, such a traumatic experience. You might be reliving that experience every day, you know, until you get a chance to actually talk to someone about it in a safe space. So it sounds like what you've created is, is like a safe space. That's really cool. 
that's what I've tried to do. That's why I tell everyone, like, I'm not here to discredit anyone, this and that. Now, I will say this within the last like three weeks, I've been getting personally discredited and attacked by people on Facebook because I made a post looking for guests in an alien abduction group. And they claim that I, someone, I won't say all, I've actually got a few people lined up for interviews from that post, but a few people on there were saying the name of my podcast is insulting. And all I do is insult people that come on my podcast and ridicule them and make fun of them. I was like, tell me you've never listened to an episode of my podcast without telling me you've never listened to an episode of my podcast. Like I don't insult or ridicule anyone, but they say because of the tinfoil part of the name, it's making fun of everybody. Hmm. But I said, no, the name was because everyone called me a tinfoil hat wearer because I always talked about conspiracies and stuff like that. I was like, that's where the name derived from is me making fun of my own self. Like I'm not making fun of anybody else. Wasn't it from a movie or something? Like, where did that actually come from? <laughs> the whole tinfoil thing. I, I think I I've seen no it in mo- movies. There's been a lot like- of movies that there. The movie that I always think about is that uh, alien movie Signs. Where yeah. They, oh, oh, yeah. Was that Mel Gibson? They, yeah, the Mel Gibson movie. Him and, and he Joaquin and his kids, Phoenix. Put the, yeah, Joaquin put the, Phoenix uh, and the two kids had yeah. the tinfoil hats on because they didn't want yeah. the aliens to read in their minds. <laughs> that's that's such a great movie. Oh, didn't, uh, what's his name in, um, ah, what was that movie with, uh, now I'm totally drawing a blank. Uh, he played like, he played a schizophrenic, um, a beautiful mind. Mm-hmm. Didn't he? Russell Crowe. Russell, yeah. Oh, that was, a, that was a great one too. Um, yeah, well, we, we can leave Hollywood out of it, but <laughs> I think they, they do more harm than good, but. <laughs> There's um, a lot to Hollywood that actually I have my own conspiracy theories on anyways but that's a different topic (laughs) yeah right oh well they kind of they kind of create their own Mm. problems um but yeah so so you've got a youtube channel you've got um oh it looks like over over 40 episodes or do you have more your you i have over i have i release an episode every tuesday and Mm. i have over 50 something episodes recorded they're just not they're just they come out every Tuesday, so they're ready to come out. It's just they come out every specific Tuesday, so I've got like 12 episodes already done, just waiting. Oh, nice. But I don't. I know some people don't have schedules, so they just record, they release, record, release. I always just like to have one show a week. I do it that way because if there's a chance where I have a drought of interviews, which I've had that happen where I can't get people, I at least have a backlog to keep me going until I can find someone to record because doing this type of field, it's not easy to find people. We kind of discussed that off air. It's you're Mm -hmm. trying to get people to talk about something that they normally wouldn't talk about mainly because this type of topic is taboo. If you're going to start talking about being abducted by aliens or you've seen a Bigfoot, or if you've, you lived in a haunted house, people are going to think you're crazy. And that's why I didn't talk about what happened to me because I didn't want people thinking I'm crazy because what happened comes off crazy. If someone told me my story, I probably wouldn't believe it either just because it seemed ridiculous. But having that experience and being able to understand how someone would feel about this, I feel like I can relate better than some of these other podcasts because if they've never had an experience, how are they going to talk about understanding what these people are going through? You have to have that experience to make that connection. 
someone could say that they have PTSD because they were in war. I can't relate to that because I never did that. But how someone goes, oh, I know what you're going through. I Hang in there. I know what you're feeling. If you've never lived through it, you can't sit there and say you know what they're going through. That's just how I come about things. Right. That's empathy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between empathy and sympathy. Yeah. So sympathy can be faked. Empathy cannot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That, so your topics, because um, it looks like you're you're doing experiences with the unknown, paranormal, alien abduction, cryptids, conspiracy theories, and any other topics that you've had on there? You mentioned weather and... It all kind of goes back into different beliefs. I've had a flat earth episode, and I won't say I'm a flat earther, but anyone listening, if you think the earth is round, like I do, and you start digging into flat earth... You'll come off of it thinking, well, this can't be possible. This is craziness. But once you start reading into it and digging into it, you start questioning things. So I don't suggest going down that rabbit hole because some of the things that we are taught. And then if you start looking into the studies of flat earth, it does really make you question certain things. And I'll just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. And if you want to learn about it, go check out his episode. Yeah. If you want to listen to that episode, it might really make you question things. I think I'm going to have to listen to that. (laughs) I'm not going to say that I'll convert, but. (laughs) It it Um, leaves me questioned. I've said this to other people. They're like, I was like, I don't care if the world's round. I don't care if the world's flat. At the end of the day, my life is the same. It's not going to change Mm -hmm. if we're spinning a ball flying through space or space doesn't exist and we live on a flat plane. My life is still the same. Right. That's how I look at it. And uh, in your description, you say, these are the stories we aren't supposed to talk about. And I think that's really interesting because you mentioned this, but, you know, like with all of the UAP disclosure going on now uh, with Senate hearings and everything that's really timely, I I think it's becoming more acceptable for people to talk about their, their experiences. I think it's a great space to be in now. Um, because, you know, like I'll, you know, like I'm at work and I'll mention something to someone and they'll say, you know, I did have this thing that happened to me. And now that it's kind of out on the news and it's just out in the open and there's a lot of podcasters out getting real information out. And I really consider podcasting the way to get news out now. It's really the best. It's like a grassroots way to get information out. I think it's really powerful. And so podcasts such as yours, hopefully mine, uh, we can start getting more information out that's just not being talked about. And, um, you know, what, what do you think about the, the space as the, that is going on now compared to, like, say, five years ago, 10 years ago? My honest opinion, I think whatever happened in the congressional hearings was just what they wanted to be let out. Nothing really new was ever really released, even though they had this Grush guy come on there and say certain things. Mainstream media didn't pick up on the one thing that I thought was the more important aspect. He mentioned one time that there are agencies outside of the government that run the government. But that was the only time it was ever brought up, and I don't know if that was a slip up or what, but anything that was really of importance, he wouldn't really discuss. He made comments about well, I can talk with that like behind closed doors, things like 
So everything that came forward were basically stuff that's already been released prior to him coming out. I believe the two pilots that were out there, 100%, but this new guy, I'm not so sure that he wasn't just a plant to feed mm-hmm. the narrative, basically. Just because, again, he never witnessed any of the stuff. He's just replying to them, relaying information that was given to him. And I'm not saying he's wrong or he's telling lies intentionally. I think this is just the information he's been given. So he might just be the one out there spreading the information that they want it spread. That's just how I come about it. Yeah. And, you know, um, I just listened to, I'm going to plug um, Sean Ryan's show. He interviewed Stephen Greer. He's interviewed him a couple of times. But that episode, if anyone's interested in learning more about, you know, like David Grush's um, possible, almost like a disinformation campaign, I think is what they're saying. Um, that episode that he interviewed with Stephen Greer was really, uh, it was like three hours that I just could not, I had to listen to it twice. It was so shocking <laughs> about all these uh, black programs that are going on. I mean, mm-hmm. there is so um, much stuff that we don't know about, and I'm not going to be the one person that says we should know about it because I think a lot of the stuff we don't need to know about, to be a hundred percent honest. But if it is our money, to an extent, we should probably have a little bit of knowledge. But I also understand the reason why they are secretive about certain things. Just because it is a security risk. But at the same time, it's like, what are we really doing? Why are we trying to keep this a secret? If there really is certain aspects of this that are life from outer space, how does that really impact anything, again, against us? You know what I mean? Like, basically, if they're saying, yes, there's been creatures smart enough to come to our planet that aren't from Earth, they've crashed here. First thing I think of, well, they weren't that smart, they crashed. Um, (laughs) They managed to go billions of miles through space, and they made it here, and they crashed. That seems strange. But if they're here and they have proof of that, why have they been trying to hide it for so long? There seems to be something else about it. And the people want to say, oh, it's because they want the technology for themselves and it makes money, this and that. I I believe that too. But I think there's some other motives involved with that that no one really wants to talk about. And I don't know what it is myself. I'm no expert. I'm just a guy with a microphone at this rate. So I can't say one way or the other. But just my own personal opinion is I think there's more to it than just hiding it for security reasons. Yeah, I think it goes to money and military industrial complex. You got all these, you know, like Raytheon and all these companies that are have been using this system um, for creating reverse engineered tech. I mean, that's they've gone on record saying that this has been going on. So, I mean, follow the money trail, but how can you even find the trail if it's so hidden, you know? Gosh, I mean, talk about a rabbit hole. Uh, I think I'm just going to keep swimming in the rabbit hole. until. <laughs> yeah, there are so keep many swimming. rabbit holes. I actually talked yeah. about this earlier, and I don't want to get into it on this episode with you, but anyone that wants to believe the government is 100% honest, go back to 
September 10th, 2001, and look up where $2.3 trillion in the Pentagon. They were looking for funding for that. Hmm. And then the next day, something happened, and conveniently, all of the information for where that money could have possibly went to was destroyed in a fire. Hmm. How convenient. Yeah. But again, I will let anyone do the research for themselves because I will not say one way or the other because that is a very touchy subject for a lot of people. But they can literally find the news clippings, the videos from the news and everything else that they were doing an investigation of where the $2.3 trillion went missing in the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. I believe in the Donald, Pentagon. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was Donald Rumsfeld. Mm-hmm. So that is mainstream news talking about that information it's not just tinfoil hat talk right fascinating i'm gonna have to look that up so um on your podcast and all of the guests that you've interviewed um you know what's been the most like really surprising thing about this project that you started you know like because i think when you start a podcast you think it's going to be one way and then as you start doing the work, it just kind of it just kind of grows into its own thing. Mm-hmm. What's been kind of uh, kind of a surprise as far as doing this for how many years have you been doing it? I started in August of last year, so just oh, okay. over fourteen months. Mm-hmm. Like I had the name, I tried to do the pod. I wanted to start the podcast back in like 2020, 2021. So a couple of years I've had the idea of doing it. I just never really got around to doing it. And I'm not a podcaster in the sense that I didn't ever really listen to podcast. I've only started listening to podcast mainly since I started doing a podcast, which is weird. Like <laughs> my idea when I wanted to do the podcast was, oh, I wanted to dive into conspiracies. I want to talk about some weird things. This and I was like, I'm sure no one really dives into that. I knew about Joe Rogan. Like, uh, he's a podcaster. I know that Joe Rogan. I didn't know that this topic is actually something that gets talked about quite a bit. I thought I was going to be out there doing something original. Like, I want to talk about conspiracies. I want to talk about monsters. I want to talk about aliens. All that weird stuff that no one wants to talk about. And then I was like, started looking around. I was like, wait a minute. I'm not being original. I thought I had an original (laughs) idea. And I realized that, no, I'm, I'm not very original, I guess. But I don't really... I think maybe I have like seven or eight different podcasts. I kind of check in on here and there, but I don't really listen to a whole lot of podcasts because even when I was doing music stuff, I listen to music all the time. That's still what I do. Music's always been my passion. So if I'm driving or doing something somewhere, I'm usually listening to music more than I am podcasting. So podcasting is just... I don't want to be influenced by someone else, if that makes sense. Like, I don't want someone else being like, I don't want to be like sounding like I'm someone else, even though I know there's other ones that do the same exact thing. I'm trying not to do what they're doing. But in a sense, I know there's one specific podcast that I'm very similar to. And I do listen to that one. But again, I only came across that one once I started doing this one. So it's like, I was trying to see what my competition I guess was and I don't mean competition in the sense that I'm trying to compete with anyone but I just mean we're this basically the same type of podcast so same genre yeah yeah I think uh I think everybody brings something different 
to it, you know, because you have your own personality. And and then, of course, you get your own guests. And I think a lot of guests kind of cross over with some of the podcasts, some of the more popular ones. Yeah. Um, I have a few in mind that I'd love to <laughs> sit down and have a conversation with. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's just it, but I think at the end of the day, it's more about like my own quest for knowledge more mm-hmm. than oh i want to interview this person because they're really important in this field or whatever it's just more like i want to hear what they have to say yeah um, you know that's, so kinda, that's how i am like there's certain people that i would love to interview but i've not tried to reach out to them just because i know they've been interviewed by so many different people like travis walton the guy mm-hmm. that was abducted the movie fire in the sky was made about i would love to talk to that guy but He's been on so many interviews and everything else. Like, why would anyone want to be on, listen to him again on my podcast? I mean, it's different and he's not been on my podcast before, but it's, he's been telling the same exact abduction story for almost 50 years now. What, what, a, why would they listen to mine? So I've been trying to find people that are not famous or anything like that. I'm the average person, just like myself. I'm just wanting to hear what happened to them. Right. Well, that's a good segue into your story. So what's your story? You have a, you're, you have a book, you have a book now it's already published and your book was influenced by your experience. Yep. I wrote a book recently called shadows of Cedarville. It is available on Amazon and apparently on all these other retailers, but Amazon has the best cover art. The cover art on the other outlets, for whatever reason, is not centered. And my OCD tweaks at it for some reason because it's not centered. I was like, man, really irritates me. But the book is heavily influenced, at least the first chapter and some of the second, from my own personal experience. Like, I changed some names and I changed some things around. But without revealing too much at the moment about the book, my encounter happened in 2007 i used to work third shift at a warehouse and we stocked paper for the company that did paper pressing in my like hometown now we got off work a little bit early our boss decided she wanted to let us leave because it was a friday we always left about 10 minutes early but for whatever reason she let us leave about an hour and a half to two hours early Every Friday, we didn't have to clock out. She would always just write off our time cards. So we always left 10 minutes early anyways. She decided to let us all leave about two hours early because the day shift guy was on vacation. So no one would have known what time we left anyways. So we got everything done and we were leaving. And just for reference, I still live in the same area. I only live a couple miles away from where this actually happened. So I drive through there all the time and... To this day, nothing's ever happened again. But we were driving down the road, and I noticed that my coworker swerves off the road into the grass. Like his vehicle's going straight, and he just goes down and shoots back up on the road and keeps going. Now, this is in 2007, so we didn't have smartphones, and we don't have like the technology that we do today. Like back then, we maybe had like the old Nokia flip phone or something like that, the Motorola flip phones or something. We didn't have the social medias like Facebook or anything. So it's probably about 4.30, 4.45 a.m., so it's still dark outside, and it's in February. As I get closer to where he went off the road, I see a big black 
shape in the middle of the road walking, but it's looks like a person, a really tall person, but they're wrapped in a blanket to me. Because I don't see a head and I don't see arms. I just see a really big, tall person, like big, thick legs and a big, thick torso. And they're moving very funny. Like when they're taking a step, their body is like twitching. You know, the big things you see at like the car dealerships, the big blow up men that have the flappy arms, the flop in the wind or whatever. That's the movement that it looked like. It was almost like it was flopping in the wind, but it wasn't windy every time I'd take a step. So I have to slam on my brakes and try to swerve myself because this thing is walking in the center of the road. And it's leaning forward like an old person would if they were on like a walker or they'd have that lean. That's how it's leaning, but obviously there's no walker. It walks right past the driver's window and I think it bumps into my mirror. I never saw the top of it. Even with it leaning forward, and I'm driving a 98 Ford Explorer and I've looked online and they're 67 inches tall. This thing was at least a foot taller than my Explorer. So it had to have been six and a half to seven feet tall, leaning forward a good way. So standing straight up, it was over seven feet tall. It gets behind the vehicle, and I can see my taillights illuminating it. There's no fur. There's no pants. There's no nothing. There's no detail to it. It's just solid black mass. And I can see between the legs, like I can see the ground and then I can see the black of the legs and the legs are really thick. Like they're not normal human sized legs. They're a lot thicker. And at this point I just tromped on the gas and took off because I'm like, this is crazy. I thought it was a drunk person taking a stroll down the middle of the road in a blanket. And this is a lot bigger than a person, but again, no arms, no head, no fur, no clothing, just solid black. So I drive down the road and I see my coworker pulled into the DOT parking lot. It's a gravel parking lot. I pulled in next to him. I rolled down my window and I won't get into the explicitives that was being discussed of what just happened. But he said, there were, did you see it? It had no head. I said, we have to go back and look at it because this is messed up. This is literally not normal. And he's like, are you crazy? I mean, sure. At this point, yeah, I'm crazy because I want to go back and figure out what this was. Now, for reference, I've always loved monster movies. A big, there's Godzilla up here and some other stuff behind me. Like, this is, I'm a monster fan. I didn't ever believe in anything about it, though. Like, to me, they're movies. There's whatever. Like, I grew up listening watching the X-Files and stuff like that. I always loved stuff about it, but I never took it as serious. But this was strange, and I wanted to go back and see what it was. So he follows me. We drive back down the road, and it's only maybe a half mile, if that. And as we get back to the area, there's a big black dog-looking thing laying in the middle of the road, and it's laying across the road basically in the same area that we just drove through. It wasn't there originally. So the first thing I'm thinking of, well, this must have been what was walking in the road. And it's just laying there, but its back is facing us, so it's facing everything's facing the direction we're driving, so I can't see what it looks like. So I get out of my vehicle to walk up to it, because there's no way of driving around it, because of the way it's laying, it's directly in the center, and we'd either have to drive off in the grass again to get around it on either side. So with me being me, I get out to go like, obviously it's 
a dead dog or something because it looks like a big dog. So as I start to walk up to it, he's behind me. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, clearly a dead animal. I'm about 15 feet from it and it sits up like it raises its head up and then it looks back. Its eyes are glowing yellow, but I've wrote that off as the headlights reflecting like the eye shine of an animal reflecting the headlights. But it lets out this rumbly, really bassy growl. So I stop dead in my tracks because this is obviously a hurt animal and it's telling me, don't come to me. So I'm just standing there. As soon as it growls, my coworker still in his car, he wouldn't get out, starts screaming at me, cussing to get back in the vehicle because clearly this thing is not dead. So I don't move. I'm just standing there because, again, I'm like 15 feet away from it. So if I take off running, I don't know if it's going to start chasing me. It tries to stand up. So it gets up on like its dog four legs. And it kind of hobbles a little bit. And then it stands directly up on two legs and looks at me. And I mean, not in the fashion like if you've seen a dog, they train dogs to stand up on two legs and they look all weird because their arms are bent and everything. It didn't do this. Its arms went to its side like a person. It didn't have hands. Like everyone's, oh, it's a werewolf when they hear me talk. It's like, no, it didn't have werewolf hands. It didn't have the fingers or anything like that. It still looked like a normal dog, but it stood up like a human. It didn't have the overall dog body style you would think of when it stands up and looks at you. And when it stood up, it's looking eye level with me. And I'm six foot three. I don't know very many dogs that stand up and look at you eye to eye. So this thing had to have been at least six foot tall. And it looked like a big black German shepherd, all black. But its fur was really puffy. Have you ever seen like a chow? You know what a, how the chow dogs have these bunch of puffy fur? Yeah. That's the type of fur this thing had. It was really fluffy looking, but kind of dirty like not like it'd been washed fluffy but just really thick fur and it looks at me for about two seconds not very long just it stood up just enough to stare at me i think to let me know it could stand up if it wanted to and again i even just like thinking about this it sounds ridiculous but i wasn't afraid of it and i know a lot of people that say when they encounter these things that like it feeds on your fear but I wasn't afraid at the time because I was still confused because I have no idea what this thing is. To me, it's still just a dog. And I'm more like an awestruck that a dog stood up and looked at me like that. To me, it's like, this is insane. And it just kind of goes back down like on all fours. But its two front legs never touch the ground and it goes off to the side of the road. Now, this area that I live at, it's still here today. There is a fence that goes around this whole perimeter for about two miles. It used to be a deer preserve. They had hunting in there. The owner actually got in trouble for having hunting out of season for deer. But there's about an eight to ten foot fence that surrounds this whole area. I didn't see it go through the fence, over the fence, or under the fence, but it went up to where the fence should be, where there's woods, and it just disappears. 
out of view. Can't see it anymore, which is, I don't know how something just disappears, but it goes down in this like ditch line and it just, it's gone. So I start to walk back to my vehicle because like, this is insane. And my coworker at this point, he'd gotten out and walked up to me and asked him, what is, what happened? What is this? What's going on? I'm like, I have no idea. Like the whole thing just seems crazy. And as we're standing there, I happen to look down between us and there's a little mouse standing between us. And by standing, I mean, it was also on two legs, but it's washing its face. It's like just, it's all wet looking and it's like rubbing itself. It's got its two front legs out and it's just like scrubbing its head and like washing itself. Like it's trying to like wipe itself off. And I'm like, do you see this? And he's just like, and I'm like, okay. So I nudge it with my foot to try and make it like run off. And it just goes, it leans. It just keeps cleaning itself. It doesn't run away. It doesn't even care that I touched it. The mouse creeps me out the most about this whole thing because I physically touched it with my foot. I know it was solid. I know it was real. And it just didn't seem to care. It's like oblivious that there's two big people standing right next to it. Like we're having a conversation and it's like right in the middle of us. It's strange. It doesn't make any sense. So I go home. Well, I tell him I'm going home. I was like, I'm getting out of here at this point. There's too much weirdness going on. So we leave. He goes his way. I go my way. I go home, go to bed. And I get up the next morning and I draw this dog thing. And I get on. I think it's unexplainedforums.com or .org or something, whatever this website was back in the day, because there wasn't what we have today, obviously, back then. And I scanned up this photo, and someone's like, oh, that's a Michigan dog man. I live in Indiana, not too far from Michigan. I live in northern Indiana. And I was like, Michigan dog man, what is that? So I started looking into this stuff. And I hear about like this dog man in Michigan and it's something in Wisconsin, like all sorts of different things about it. I've never heard of this topic before. The first thing I thought was like werewolf, because why wouldn't you think werewolf when that's what Hollywood and everyone else beats into your brain and like a dog like this is like a werewolf. And I get all this information and I go back to work a couple nights later and I try and tell my coworker man, this is what we saw. This this is what I found on the internet. The other people that work with us start laughing hysterically. So he gets mad. He pulls me to the side and basically says, uh, I need to knock it off or he's going to just start denying it because he doesn't want people thinking we're crazy or him crazy. And it's in my best interest I shut up about it. I took that as a threat because just knowing how he is personally, so I never talked about it anymore just because the first couple of people I talked about it burst out laughing. And the guy that actually saw it too, that can verify everything doesn't want anything to do with it. So I never talked about it. It wasn't up until several years later, I've mentioned it to like close friends or my wife or something like that. And I don't know if they honestly took it serious or not. I mean, Anyone that knows me knows I'm not a liar, and that's one thing I can't stand the most are people that are full of crap. And I always 
have been the type of person that always pinpoints that out too about people being full of crap. That's my personality. And I wrote this off for 15 years as nothing more than this was a dog playing with a mouse because this is how I look at it logically. The reason it was moving all funny and everything is because it was out there messing around with a mouse. That's why the mouse was all wet. It was playing with it, licking it, whatever. Someone must hit it with a car. So that's why it was walking funny. Its front legs are broken. So when we first drove up on it, it's walking weird and looks weird and unnatural because it is unnatural because this is not normal for the dog to try and walk. And then we came back upon it. That's why it tried to stand up and it fell. And then when it got up and it went off on its own, it didn't have, it wasn't using its front legs like its front legs must have been broken. That's why they're hanging off to the sides like that. It hadn't been hit by a car. The mouse was traumatized from the dog messing with it. And that's what I said. That That's what happened. That has to be the most logical explanation. And I've always said that. But the thing that bothers me the most and has always bothered me, what was walking originally that we didn't see a head or arms on was so much bigger than what this dog thing was. If the dog thing's only six foot tall and my explorer is almost six feet and this thing was leaning forward and it was over a foot taller from what I could see from my driver's window, how was it so much bigger? And when it walked by, I could see like in the taillights how thick its legs were. The dog thing's legs weren't very thick. It looked like a normal dog, just a really large dog. The thing that was walking had legs thicker than a person. Like it had like really trunky, thick legs. I can't explain the size difference. And that's what I always go back to is like, I can write everything else off except for the first thing that was walking because the size difference doesn't add up. And that's where I've been at for, this was in 2007, so going on, what is that, 16 years now? It's almost 17 years. And that's where I've always kind of been in the back of my mind. What was walking in the road? Like, what was the first thing that walked in the road? Was it this dog or was it completely something else and it's unrelated to the dog? But where'd the dog come from? Because when we drove through there, there was no dog. And then what about the mouse? Like, why was this mouse just hanging out in the middle of us out of nowhere and wasn't even afraid that I touched it? All this happened within like a five-minute span. And I've never had anything else like that ever happen to me. So it's like that one instance that's like made me question a lot of things because I've never been able to write it off. Yeah, that's that's a really crazy story. How much do you think it weighed? I mean, you know, like between the first time that when you first saw it, when you were in your Explorer, and then when you went back, did it do you think it changed sizes? Does it was it different? It depends on what I what rabbit hole I go down, I guess. I've been told by people since I've opened up about this that this was all the same creature and I caught it in the process of shape shifting. And the first time I'd seen it, it wasn't in a form because it was in the process of using energy to try and manifest a form. And then the first form it came to was the dog. Well, it still wasn't a hundred percent a correct form. So then it disappeared and it turned into the mouse. Hmm. I don't know if I believe in any of that because 
I'm not going to say it's wrong because I don't know. I don't have an opinion on it. Like it's possible, I guess. I mean, at this point, anything's possible. One of the things I was told recently is we were abducted by aliens and those were the implemented images they put in our brain to cover up what really happened. I was like, we didn't even have missing time. So we weren't abducted by aliens, but I guess, I guess it's just as plausible as anything else. Like I can't discredit one thing or the other. Now I will discredit the, people accusing us of being on drugs. I can attest to myself. I don't do drugs and never did drugs. And anyone that is familiar with drugs, it's really hard to hallucinate the same exact thing with someone else. I would believe. I don't think if we were both on drugs, we'd both be seeing the same exact thing. Why, why would he see this black figure walking the road? Why would we supposed to see a dog? Cause we weren't near each other when all this happened. Like he was about a thousand feet in front of me at first. And then when we went back, he never got out of the vehicle until after the thing was gone and we both saw the mouse. So it's like, none of that adds up either. So it's like, why would, and if we were being abducted, why weren't, why did we stop and go and talk about it at the parking lot and we came back? Like none of that adds up either. So I don't necessarily buy into that. Yeah. The mouse and, part is, gets me too. That's really strange. I said the mouse to me has always the been mouse the mouse is creepy. <laughs> yeah, the mouse is the creepiest part. It's what creeps me out the most because this big black walking shape, torso and legs, which there's something out there now that they claim, and it's around the same time frame when these first popped up. But the mouse, I physically touched it. So I know it was real. It wasn't a manifestation. It wasn't like anything not really there. It wasn't like an image. It was solid. It was a little mouse. So that I know existed. The thing that was walking, I feel like bumped my mirror. Like I don't, it didn't like push the mirror, but I seen it like graze into the mirror. So that had to have solid to it as well. And my lights illuminated it. And then I could see the ground between it was walking. It wasn't translucent. It was solid. And then obviously the dog looked like a normal very large dog that had the ability to stand up like a person. I said that its legs were not werewolf. It didn't have the werewolf feet or hands or anything like that. It didn't have like missing fur. It just looked like a normal, big, fluffy dog that could turn into a person stance. I don't know. To me, that's, it just seems like craziness. Like it's the only, as a rational person, there's no rationale to that. It just seems insane. So if someone told me my own story, I'd be like, what were you smoking? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It, it, it How big was the mouse? Sense. The mouse you, was normal size. It was like a, cause I, I've seen plenty of mice. They do not sit there and let you touch them. Yeah. No. For a, for a mouse, I mean, it was, I would say normal size, but I'm thinking of like pet mice. So I don't know if that's mm -hmm. normal size mouse for field mouse or not. Like it, they're tiny. It was, they, they squeak. Like I get them here in Colorado sometimes they get in the house in the winter time and I you know my cat does a really poor job of controlling the mice <laughs> she's kind of fired it but, was big um, enough it was big enough to where it was standing on its hind legs it was taller than the top of my shoe so hmm. it had to have been a, at least two and a half to three inches tall on its hind legs it wasn't huge but it was a decent sized mouse it wasn't like a little baby mouse or anything like it was mm -hmm. big enough that I noticed it hmm strange and it's strange that you touched it also and it didn't do anything it just was cleaning itself yeah it, it and was then still, when you touched it, it 
like I touched it and it moved over because I pushed it with my foot and it, it was still in the process of cleaning itself and it kept cleaning itself. Like it didn't even stop doing that. It never stopped the entire time we're there. It's like it was, again, that's where someone says programmed like a memory or whatever because it didn't react to the fact that I touched it. Like it continued just to go on like nonchalant. That's why I that's said not maybe, normal. Yeah. I was like, maybe that's it's traumatized. not normal at all. <laughs> it was traumatized from the dog messing with it. That's what I always read. Like it didn't even realize I was there. It had like some sort of something wrong with it and it couldn't process that mm-hmm. I was touching it. But even still, like why was it trying to clean itself? Like, I don't understand that point. Like, hmm. why was it all wet? Like it looked, its fur was all wet. It hadn't snowed or anything like that. The ground was dry. And that's just out there in the middle of the road washing itself off. That doesn't make sense. Why would it be in standing in the middle of the road doing that? Especially yeah. between two big humans and vehicles and everything else. So that's, yeah, that's the, very, very strange. Very the strange. Mouse, the mouse has always been the thing that creeps me out the most, but the thing that I've always questioned is the size difference from what was originally walking in the road to the dog to the mouse. Like none of it makes any sense. And then all three things were on their hind legs at one point. But back in 2007, the Fresno crawler was first talked about. Now these things to me look like marionette puppets. They're like little white, figures walking you only see like a torso and legs and it looks like almost like someone wearing a white set of pants or something like that with a round ball on the top it's weird looking there's videos all on youtube and stuff they're called fresno crawlers and it doesn't look like what i saw i understand the shape and everyone's descriptions match but what i saw was black and it was really thick and a lot bigger it looked like a body, like a person leaning forward, just no head or arms. It looked like someone wrapped in a big black blanket or a black cloak or something like that. And it doesn't look like these Fresno crawlers, but they didn't come around until like late 2006, early 2007, I think, is when they first start talking about them, which would have been the same time frame as what I'd saw. But they've always been described as being white. And this thing was black. So I don't necessarily think it's the same thing, but it is strange at the same time frame, two of the same things, a similar legs and body are seen. Yeah, really strange. I you I thought it was interesting that so you went back, you you had this coworker that was with you, you went back, you went to work, everyone discounted you and called you crazy. And then kind of as a, a way to kind of self-preserve your trauma, you recreated your story. You reinvented it to match that, oh, that to match that bot in that statement of I'm not crazy. I know what I saw. So it must have been this. And you kind of changed it until you came to this new realization of no, I know what I saw. So yeah. What kind of shifted you and and got you to write the book, you know, like when you finally said, got some acceptance and realization that you knew what you saw, you weren't going to let people tell you that you were crazy anymore. And like, how did you get to that point? What was the thing? Before I started the podcast, I was at work and I still work for the same company, but 
I don't work in, I was helping out a different department. I was on a survey crew for the winter. And one of the guys on this crew used to live in Alaska. And me being a the type of person I am these days, because this, this really opened me up to looking into all sorts of stuff, like into more Bigfoot things, more Dogman things, more paranormal stuff, just because, again, I wrote everything off for so long and I'm always a skeptic, but I can't explain my own encounters, so it makes me start to question things a little bit more. And I asked him if he'd ever encountered any type of Bigfoot while he's been up there. And he just kind of gave me a little bit of a chuckle. And then for whatever reason, I just felt like, I'm not telling my story. And there was just an awkward silence. <laughs> like, he didn't really say nothing after that. I was like, well, he thinks I'm a lunatic now. <laughs> but I felt a little better about it. And then that was kind of one of my things that started to push me into doing the podcast because I was like, I want to do this conspiracy podcast, but I'd also like to talk to people, see who else has experienced something that I have and felt the same as me that well, they didn't have a place to talk about it. I was like, maybe I could do something that way. And I still wanted to use the same name because even these topics to an extent, they're not something that you can just go up on the side of the road clearly and talk to your neighbor about, but like, Hey, do you know, this happened to me and your neighbors going to be like, Oh, great. We got one of these woo woo people living next to us. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I wanted to give people a place where they could just come on here, share their experiences and not worry about being ridiculed. And I've told anyone, if you don't want to use your real name, you don't have to. And if you don't want to use your real voice, I have ways of altering that as well. I don't use the video because if people don't want to show their face, I get it just because I didn't want to be ridiculed either because it's one of those things that it's hard enough to talk about it, especially when you don't want to believe your own story because you don't believe your story could be real. Like you don't believe this is possible. It doesn't add up. There's no way this could be true because it doesn't meet any logical explanation. And then I started to realize that maybe not everything can be explained. Like there are things out there that we don't understand and they can't be explained away. And that's why I started doing the podcast because I wanted to talk with others like myself. And I didn't even bring up my own story until it was about a year ago. I was at a convention and someone else's podcast and I told it on there. It didn't really get any much reaction or whatever. No one really said much about it. They talked to me about it, this and that. But I was like, that was the first time I ever publicly, openly told that story, that encounter. I say story again. I was, I'm trying not to say story because it sounds untrue. My encounter and... I never talked about it on my podcast because I don't want to make my podcast about myself. Like that's never been my intention. And I started doing a different podcast with a buddy back in March and we interview other musicians. And basically we talked to anyone that's had like bad experiences on the road, playing like bad shows, bad band. It's not related in any way to what I do now with tinfoil tells. 
but one of the people on there were talking and I don't remember how it got brought up, but I just told them about what happened on that episode. And I used that episode, a clip from that, and I brought it over to tinfoil tells. And then I got a lot of people saying something to me about what happened. They wanted to hear more about it. And then I went on a different podcast and told it. And it got a lot of people reaching out to me. And then from there, it's like I got on Reddit. I posted it on a Reddit thing. And a lot of people said, oh, this is great. Like, you should have, someone actually criticized me for how I wrote it. They claimed that uh, I should do a, be born with a script of this and that. And I was like, well, I'm not an author. And all of a sudden it clicked. Someone was criticizing me about how I wrote my own experience. I was like, you weren't even there. So I was like, I'm all right about it now. So I took someone's negativity and tried to turn it into a positive because like, who are you to try and tell me what happened in my encounter, how I should have worded it better and how I should have done this and how I should have done that and made it more interesting. I'm telling you what happened. I'm not telling you a bunch of crap. Like, and then ironically, I wrote a book and then turned it into fiction, <laughs> but kind of based on a true story, maybe. Yeah. It's, and Cedarville, it's heavily, is this in, a f- it's heavily is a f- influenced from real or eyewitness accounts. That's the new term that I'm uh, trying to incorporate, heavily influenced from eyewitness accounts. I'm not going to say true story because just from other people I've interviewed, other research I've done, I used a lot of the dogman lore that goes in with these things into the book. So now that I kind of gave the story I can kind of go into the book. The book is about myself, even though I've changed the name of me and some of the other people, but the first chapter is literally my encounter. And the second chapter is 15 years later. And the guy started a podcast and he's interviewing all these other people for their experiences, which is basically what I do now. And from there, it goes off into more fictionalized, like we go into finding Dogman, what is it, and like an almost a mystery suspense type psychological thriller type book. But the first two chapters are basically from what I do. And then everything else, I already had like ideas. And then, like I said, I basically wrote the book in a matter of five days. It's only like a hundred and something pages. It's not very long. But I wouldn't have been able to do it had I not already had that experience because I already had enough information from researching into this thing anyways. And I had all the lore and knowledge just from trying to find into it. Cause once you start digging into this dog man lore, you find out that this isn't something new. Like they want to tell you it's new because if you look through history, what was Anubis to the ancient Egyptians? There's a dog man. Wolfman, something like that, had a head of a dog, body of a person. You look into the ancient, I'm pretty sure the Celtics had werewolf lore. Medieval times had werewolves. The 1700s in France, they had the werewolf trials where they were killing people for basically like the Salem witch trials. They were hanging people, burning them for basically being werewolves or accused of being werewolves. There's been all sorts of stories throughout history too. nursery rhymes the big bad wolf 
Now, one of the things that I've recently discovered or put, pieced together, what is the thing that the big bad wolf says? Little pig, little pig, let me in. Now, in my book, it says let me in. And there's an interview that my guy conducted with someone because this was actually, again, influenced from a real person's eyewitness thing. I Again, I never used anyone's names and there wasn't anything that I'd interviewed, but just from listening to other interviews, they claim these things talk to you, but they don't talk to you with their mouths. Like you can hear them telepathically and they ask you to let them in. Why would a big seven foot tall werewolf monster dog thing look at you through a window and say, let me in? If it was real, why couldn't it just burst through your window and eat you if that's what it wanted to do? Why do you have to invite it in? That's almost like vampire lore. That goes back into the realm of the demonic where you have to invite the demon in. And throughout the nursery rhymes of the three little pigs, little pig, little pig, let me in. That was wrote in the 1800s, if not earlier than that. The first printed version was in the early 1800s, I think. But that nursery rhyme has been around for a long time. And then you had Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf. Like, there's so many stories all about a big bad wolf. And what did the big bad wolf in that story do? Oh, it dressed up like grandma. It dressed up like a person. It's just strange that people were talking about some of these topics Maybe not in the sense that we see them now, but I'm starting to see it differently just from my point of view. So maybe there is more to it than that. I don't know. Do I really think there is a upright walking werewolf dog man creature? I want to say no. But what did I see? Do I question my own sanity or do I question what I actually saw? Because I saw something that looked vaguely similar to what all these other people have been claiming they've been seeing. So I like that you I, went down the history, uh, a part of it, you know, and I had never, I had never thought about that. Yeah. About the Egyptians and then all the, uh, gr like Grimm's fairy tales and, um, all, all of the lore. I mean, that's, so, oh man, that's such a good point. Um, so did you, you wound all this into your book, then the history or the, was just part of your research i tried to add all the lore into the book based off of my guy interviewing different people feeding different backgrounds to build the story so some people say they encountered this and some said they did this research like again the first couple of chapters are the character interviewing people on his podcast and it's building up from their experiences and like from chapter four is when it kind of takes off into its own story and then the way I have it written, I've only gotten a couple of reviews and I don't know anyone like it's actually sold a decent amount considering there's been no promotion for it. It's only been out for like a couple of weeks and it's already sold like 150 copies. Wow. So <laughs> I'm going to have to get me a copy. <laughs> that's not including the copy. I have author copies that I'm taking to a, an event I have coming up that I'm going to be at for the podcast and I'm going to sign books if anyone wants them. But I have my own author copies too, and none of those are included in the sales charge. These are just based off Amazon sales, and it's sold like 150 copies or a little over 150, I think. But there's only been two reviews. 
and one's a five star and one's a four star and there's never there's nothing written about it so i've never gotten any feedback from anyone what they think about it hmm. and the people that i know that have actually bought the book from me and got copies from me is like oh what'd you think They're like oh, i haven't read it yet oh <laughs> <laughs> hurry up and read it <laughs> the so only person you're going to a, a conference uh where's this at it's this saturday so october 21st it's ironically enough it's on the same road i had my encounters on the miami county 4-h fairgrounds and i only live a good few miles from that but it's a paranormal convention and this is the fifth year that they've been doing it i was there last year and that's the first year that i ever publicly told that on another podcast and the reason i brought it up was like it literally happened like two miles from here <laughs> that's awesome and again, I don't know if they just took me as someone being on the line of crap or whatever. Like, I'm not asking anyone to believe me just because half the time I don't want to believe myself, if that makes sense. Like, I, everyone wishes they got off work early. Oh, man, I can't wait to get off work. This, that's the one time I wish I never got off work early because I would have never had that experience and I wouldn't be at work. I probably wouldn't be here talking to you right now. And I'm not saying that negatively. It's just, where would I be at today had I never had that encounter? I probably wouldn't be doing the podcast I do. I probably wouldn't be doing a lot of the things I do just because that one event changed everything. As much as I act like it hasn't, I go back and I look at it. I was like, it really did have an impact. I don't, I wasn't traumatized. Like some of these people are like, Oh, it's horrible. I can't sleep. And I, this and that. I wasn't ever afraid. It just opened my curiosity more than ever. Like I wanted to know what happened, what it was. I needed answers. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty common with people and their experiences. It it's it definitely becomes a fork in the road. There was the time before this thing, whatever it was, happened to me, and then there's the time after. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've had experiences, and someday I'm going to talk about those. And maybe this is. Um, my fork in the road where I start talking about my experiences and some of them I can't really explain. Some of them are pretty far out there. Um, You're always welcome to talk about them on my podcast too. Maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the first. Okay. All right. I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, um, it, it's funny when you, when you get into this space of talking about your experiences, there are the people, you know, I always say, just put yourself out there, be yourself and put it out there and you're going to repel people that don't align with you, but that's okay because then the people who really get it are going to be in your space and that uh, that's kind of powerful. I know I have my friends and I know I have friends that I can call up and talk to about this stuff and they've all had their experiences too and they're we're all kind of like in that realm and it's funny it's like the more i the more i share with the friends that i know that i can trust then the more they reveal to me and it just becomes kind of this really supportive uh experience no. um it's kind of a curious like we are we're all curious and we're all exploring and those are my real friends you know yeah, I've always so. felt like I never had anyone that I could really talk to about it. And that's kind of why I think subconsciously I wanted to do the podcast because 
no one can really relate to it. The only other person that could have, I haven't saw or talked to since like 2008. Like he got laid off not long after that. And I never, we weren't really friends or anything like that. So it's, I don't know whatever happened to the guy. I'm sure I could track him down if I wanted to, but at this point, kind of wonder how you'd take it if you knew I was talking about it at this point, because is he going to deny it ever happened or is he going to, oh, I want to talk about it now. So I have been curious, but at the same time, I don't want to, I don't want to poke that bear. That makes any sense. Cause I don't want him. I don't want to deal with the drama. I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to deal with the drama of the fallout if he is not wanting to talk about it. And he was your co-witness. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, everybody's on their own journey. You know, like, who knows? (laughs) Maybe someday he'll be sitting down eating a sandwich and like, you know, I wonder about that that night. (laughs) Maybe I'm going to call up my friend. No. I mean, it's. Ah, you just, ah, you never know. Uh, it's really, this has really been a great um, experience. Uh, I almost said story. A great experience um, yeah, I that you shared. And, too. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just want to thank you for um, sharing it. It's been really interesting. Um, I'm going to be thinking about that mouse later. <laughs> it's just so weird. Uh, I definitely want to pick up a copy of your book. And so you said you're on Amazon and um, I do recommend the Amazon version. It's on Kindle. It's on paper or in paperback. And there's also an audio version coming out. Oh, I don't know when that will be out, but it's been recorded. I don't really have anything to do with that portion of it. So at some point it'll be available in audible as well. Awesome. I love my audiobooks. I do a lot of driving. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to sit down and actually flip the pages. So I just yeah, recently <laughs> started doing the audiobooks myself, and that's kind of why I wanted to make sure it got put in audio too, because there's a few books that I wanted to read that I never feel like I have time to read. So when I do take some long drives for work purposes. I if I'm not listening to music, I'll put on that. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing the story and telling us about your uh, your book that's coming out. And if anyone wants to check it out, please uh, check it out and check out his Tenfoil Tales podcast. And that's on YouTube, right? It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your streaming podcast is available and all of that. I will make a suggestion, though. There is another podcast from Australia called Tinfoil Tales. I did not know this until after mine was already out. And they are a more of a anti-government podcast for against Australia. So not to be confused, mine has a artwork with like glowing eyed monster and there's like a Bigfoot and a UFO. Like mine has like detail artwork. There's literally just says Tinfoil Tales in like a bloody drippy font. So that's, <laughs> that's about the, Australia. <laughs> yeah, that that's the difference. I think theirs has an Australian flag on it too. So, Uh-oh. mine is a lot more. Uh, I don't know how to describe, it, like more detailed, epic looking. I guess like more of what my podcast is about. Yeah, but, thanks for letting us know that. In case you're, unless you're from Australia and you want to 
find out about yeah. that. <laughs> well, I've gotten a lot of people from Australia message me. I had more people message me from Australia about the other podcasts and I did my own podcast at first and I was really confused. That's how I found out there's another podcast with the same name. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Because they're like, what do you think oh, well. this is going to go on? I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't follow Australian politics. <laughs> that's so bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, thank you so much yeah, thank uh, you. for coming on and sharing this experience. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. for joining me today. Be sure and hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you listen to great pod content. I'd love it if you could tell a friend about this podcast and you can find any links mentioned by my guest or by me in the show notes below. Our music is Funk Beats by Ecolix and you can find them on the audio jungle. I'll catch you next time around. See you soon.